Holy Spirit to abide in us. Lord, we want to thank you for grace today. We want to thank you for the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. And we're believers this morning. We thank you for truth, Lord. We thank you for your righteousness. We thank you that you're our healer, our deliverer, our savior, our king. Lord, we thank you today for the anointing that breaks the yoke. Lord, if there's anybody should believe, it ought to be us in this generation. For you have given us every reason to believe. And our hearts today have been turned to faith, and we do believe. Lord, like the man said, replied to you when you said only believe, all things are possible to them that believe. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Lord, if there's any unbelief left in us, help us, Lord. Eradicate it, Lord. Oh, God, cause our heart to believe completely and totally because it's only when faith is present that you can respond. For the requirement is that they that comes to you must believe that you are, that you reward those that diligently seek you. We're looking to you today. As we look into the scripture today, open the eyes of our understanding. Anoint every word, Lord. Anoint our hearts to believe. Ever need supply, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today and have the privilege that we have to serve him and Looking unto him today, as the Bible said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. I'd like you to be in prayer with me. Uh, Sister Karen and I will be leaving for Washington, D.C. Going on, the, um, on Wednesday and we'll not be back until on the following Monday. I'm going there to minister to a group of believers there. Um, Brother Mike Walls and uh, the congregation that meets with him. And so uh, it's good to know that even right in the shadows of our nation's capital, amen, God has raised up a group of believers as a witness. Amen. And so there are a couple of hundred or more people there gathered. And we're just looking for a time, um, a special time with them. Psalms chapter 8, verse 1. To the chief musician, upon Gareth, uh, a psalm of David, O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast thou ordained strength 
because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. And thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thine hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the pass of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Then I would like to turn to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5. And it's here in this scripture that Paul will refer back to this um, one that we read from Psalms 8. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death and crowned with glory and honor, that he might, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by him whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they that are, who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto thy, my brethren, and in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the, that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Notice in the scripture that says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? 
I want to remind us this morning that God has never forgot one of his promises. And, and we have, uh, we, we just recently, and I want to speak about this for a moment before we get into the message just to kind of um, keep you abreast of what is happening in the world scenes. But I know that the news has been caught up with it. Many other have been caught up with it. And we just watched the last messenger um, to, to leave the scene. And when I'm speaking of that, I'm speaking about Billy Graham. And um, we know that he was a front runner, or should I say the front runner of this angelic anointing that um, is part of the end time plan and prophecy for the last day that you'll find in the book of Genesis. And remember, we believe that the scripture is actually prophesying of things to come and things to be fulfilled in the end time. And Paul would even agree with this when he said these things were written as an example to us. So they are examples or types um, and prophecies where God wrote in the lives of men and women down through the Old Testament and even into the New that would actually be fulfilled in the last day. And as you know, um, we, we, had a messenger, we had two messengers that went down to Sodom, as shown in, in the book of Genesis. And um, after Abraham had pleaded with, with God for there to be salvation for Lot and his family, and pleaded that, the, that the Sodom would be spared from the judgment that was coming, and God, in response to that, remembered Lot and his prayer, and, and, and Abraham's prayer, and brought him out of Sodom. And it shows us of an end time plan that God has in that there will be more that will be given life than that which even goes in the rapture. That there would be an Abraham group that would stand before God and uh, receive the promised son. And there would be the Lot group, on the other hand, that would be called out of Sodom. God is a God rich in mercy. It is said, you know, well, you know, I, I heard, I believe that, um, uh, and we, we teach that um, uh, Billy Graham was lost. We don't believe that at all. We never taught that. That's, and Brother Branham didn't teach that. We believe that um, Billy Graham was a, a man that was used of God in this generation to call a people out of Sodom and to, to um, bring them into uh, salvation. And uh, we can certainly see that he did a great, great job of doing that. But he also had a dual purpose, and that was to blind the Sodomites. And so, so uh, you know, there was a twofold in his ministry that he did, as well as um, uh, did Oral Roberts, that he would also um, bring some people to salvation, but at the same time, under that same anointing that he would have him and host of others would bring, uh, would blind many, many others that they didn't see the door. And, um, you know, sometimes ago I watched an old Billy Graham crusade that he held back in the 1980s, and I was amazed when his, when his simple sermon and a very simple appear, appeal uh, was made, and I watched this. Over 10,000 people in unison moved out of their seats 
to receive Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's an anointing. I preached many a year, and I, I hadn't ever seen 10,000 people move at one time. Um, or even if I'm only preaching to 1,000, I, I didn't get, uh, you know, I didn't get 500 of them down to the altar at one time. But, um, you know, I've seen others that, that have preached with great anointing and seen great altar calls, but never like I saw with Billy Graham. Um, he, he had a certainly a anointing to call people to a simple repentance and simple receiving of Christ as um, personal Savior. Um, the same uh, is true of, of uh, or Roberts of the Pentecostals. He epitomized a, a messenger as well as he, as he led a, a powerful, through a powerful anointing, he led a worldly group of Pentecostal charismatic you know, from um, the supernatural to showmanship and to a message of prosperity. But at the same time, he, he was also pointing to um, that God was a healer and, and God was a, a big God and a mighty God. And there were people that gave their lives to God during, during that time. But, you know, again, we, we must understand that God is doing more than that multitude without number. That will be saved in the tribulation period. Or should I say they're saved this side. But they find themselves in, in the tribulation period. God's doing more than that. He's taking a, a bride in a rapture. There's a, there's a Sarah going to receive the promised son. So you know there's uh, many groups that are there. And, and when we, we didn't of course know that until um, the seals were taken off the book. And we found there were more people in the book than what we even knew about. We found that God has got more grace than what we could even imagine. You know, um, I, I remember hearing it preached that if you missed the rapture, you were lost and going to hell. When I was a boy, I, that was what was preached. But when God in this message revealed to us that there's a bride going into rapture, there's a church going into tribulation. Amen. And so, um, you know, it's not up to us, of course, to decide which one is what? Um, I'm, I try my best not to preach to foolish virgins. Amen. And, and if there's any sleeping ones among us, I try to wake them up. Right? But anyway, um, you know, I, I, but we, we want to just make a statement here because a lot of times people look and say, well, the last messenger has went off the scene. Now, let me just tell you. I don't consider Graham and Roberts to be the two angels that went down to Sodom. No, they were more properly two men that were anointed by those angelic anointings. Now, the same is true of William Branham. I do not consider him to be Elohim that appeared to Abraham. Amen. But I consider him to be anointed by Elohim and discerned to Sarah's, the hearts and Sarah's uh, the heart that was uh, there of Sarah when she was in the tent behind him. And, and similarly, he had a, a message of the long-awaited promised son. So we don't consider Brother Branham to be Elohim. We don't consider Billy Graham and Oral Roberts to be the angels to Sodom. They simply were the head planters. Amen? And so they were, they were men that sowed the seed. They were seed sowers. And they were preparing the way. And there was to be a multitude without number. And they have to be there in the tribulation period. 
And um, so when Brother Branham spoke about it, he, he, he himself did not just centrally um, uh, place these two men. He, he would say um, Billy Graham and Jack Schuler went down to uh, Sodom and preached uh, just the message of the gospel deliverance to the people. But one angel stayed behind with the elected Abraham and his group. And so he would say to, to them, a modern Billy Graham, and so forth. I want you to watch these words. He would say, a modern Billy Graham, or, or uh, we'd say any great evangelist, or Roberts, or some of them. I'm just trying to point out to you, he didn't just say these men. He could see an anointing that was happening in a great revival that was happening, and he acknowledged that as being of God to call a people out of Sodom. And at the same time, also be, bring a message that would actually cause um, a strong delusion in the last day as is prophesied by the Bible. Now, so again, as I'm speaking of that, just because we've seen uh, Billy Graham leave, or Oral Robert is now gone, and of course Brother Brandon's been gone, what, 50-something years, um, you know, just because they're all off the scene doesn't mean those angels are off the scene. They are still anointing men, amen? They're, they're anointing men to preach easy believism, amen? They're still calling men to salvation, and some of them get, get uh, a measure of deliverance, Amen. Some of them get a change of life. Some of them become good people and, and will be judged at the great white throne judgment and given life. So we don't discount whatever they're doing. We're just saying we, we're under a different anointing. Amen. And so I wanted to say to you, neither did Elohim leave when Brother Branham left. Amen. But we today are continuing under that same anointing. Amen. The ministry of the Son of Man working in the bride body. That's the teaching of the prophet of God. So as we, as we look, of course, we, we're seeing it is a sign. It's a sign of the lateness of the hour. It's a sign that we're here at the last day and, and that we, we, we must make our call in an election sure and look and see that, um, you know, we're... What anointing that we're under? Are we just, you know, are we just under an easy believism of, say, I believe the message and I got the Holy Ghost? You've got to be born again. Amen. And it's an experience. It's not an imagination. It's not a confession. It's, it's a happening. It's deity that comes and dwells in the soul. Amen. Same thing on the other hand, you know, you see men under Robert's anointing, that same thing that anointed him, and what do they do? They build big kingdoms. They pull them right back into uh, organization, just like uh, Roberts did when he went and joined the Methodist church so that he could have um, some recognition, even denying his Pentecostal birth by doing that. And, and even, even immersion, baptism, you can't, you can't, you know, as a Methodist, they don't immerse. They, they sprinkle. So, you know, they, I mean, he went backwards in, in the whole thing and, and said, you know, it was ecumenism. We're all one. That's a delusion. We're not all one. The only way we can be one, be one is be born again in Christ, and then, then our absolute is going to be the Bible. Amen. Not some church somewhere. 
And so then he comes along with his message of prosperity. And look, and you can see that anointing upon many of them today. That's the whole goal of it, prosperity. God will bless you if you'll give me some, you know, some seed money. Well, you'll get a whole crop of blessing back. And, and, and again, it's an anointing. Amen. And men are under that anointing, and they're preaching that message, and they're bringing a delusion and who's to say at some point or sometimes maybe there isn't somebody that makes a profession of faith and, 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 and gets a measure of justification or sanctification. But that's not our message. Amen. Our message is that we are under a different anointing. We're getting ready to leave from here. We're not preparing people for a tribulation. Amen, are just giving them enough where they can get over in there and find life somewhere else. No, we want you to get life now where you can be caught away in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Amen. This is the promise of the hours. I just wanted today just to say it again to you. Um, you know, just because we've seen those, the, these head planners depart, certainly it ought to be a sign to us. And I'll tell you what, it, what is signed to us. I'll tell you what to me it means. It means as I look at it, the only reason it's tarried so long is because of the long-suffering of God. God not willing that any should perish. God waiting on some of you. Amen. Maybe still waiting on some of you this morning. But nevertheless, you know, we as we watch these head planners leave the scene. It's time like never before to get the last remaining sheaves off the field. For the Son of Man is gathering them from the field into the garner. We ought to be ready. Amen. We ought to be doing everything we can to get the remainder of the crop safely from the field. For the rain of fire is about to fall. We're here. Amen. We're here at the, at the last day, the last time. And, and we must... We must press like we never pressed before. And when we see men like this part off the scene, it's time for us to realize it's close time for our departure. Amen. I wonder what it means. I've pondered it since a boy. When I look into the scripture, that after Elohim gives that promise, that he turns to Sarah one final time and he says, I will return to you again according to the time of life. I wonder what that means. I think we should be anticipating a great pouring out of his power. I think we should be expecting to see the change begin to happen. I think we should look for a final sweep. Amen. As our faith rises and then we see the dead in Christ rise among us. Don't put a limit to your faith. Amen. Don't put a period to what God has done. I think you ought to be under a great and tremendous expectation this morning to say you promised you would return according to the time of life. We're going to bring forth that promised son. Hallelujah. Amen. What is man that thou art mindful of him? 
This resonates from the scripture to me. Why did Jesus come the first time? He came for the purpose of redeeming that which was lost. You know, God's desire was to have a family, to have an offspring, to have someone that is in his image. These would be known as the sons of God. I'm going to attempt to try to bring this out again this morning as I speak to you on the revealing of sons. God's desire was so intense that it caused the king of glory to lay down all that heaven possessed for him and to come to earth to be born as a man, to join hands with humanity and by his grace lift us up into a consciousness and a life to the same level that he himself enjoyed. God was not content to let us live in beggarly conditions. In fact, the matter is he would lay, off, lay aside his deity to become a man, to walk among human beings, that he would come down to the lowest home in Israel to be born in the humblest of manner, stooping down to the lowest of humanity, to, to do things like lift a woman up, this woman called Mary Magdalene who, who was possessed with seven devils and take that woman so ruined and so even despised and feared and, and everything else because of the demons that tormented her soul. And, and yet he would take a woman like that and he would elevate her to sonship to become heir with him and give her the power to reign over the demons that had once owned her. He would reach down and lift up the leper and the leper who looked upon him, the unclean, the untouchable, the rejected of society. He would look upon a man like this and, and, and said, Lord, if you will, make me clean. And he would respond, I will. Be thou clean. Amen. What did he do? He would heal that leper and, and lift him up to sonship and say, by saying, I will be thou clean. A man who was once a reject, a man who was once um, despised, who would have to go around with his hand over his mouth and another hand waving in front of him and scream, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, and I'm unclean. And, and no one could touch him. He was an untouchable. But he could, not, he could not worship like the others. He could not eat with the others. He could not dwell in this family and be in a home with the others. He had to dwell with the unclean. You know what that means because you were once lepers with sin. Your whole life went out screaming, unclean, 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 unclean. Amen. But this one, this God said, I will, I will be thou clean. And he took those of us who were rejects of society, who were, who were the lost and the undone, the unfit, the unwanted, the despised, the rejected. And he took rejected men and women and gave them a new birth. 
a new heritage, a sonship, a place of heirship with him where he said, this is my son. I'm mindful of my son. I've looked for my son and I'm redeeming my son and I'm elevating him from this dastardly condition to the heirship of a son of God. He did not only leave heaven, he would even leave meetings where he were ministering to thousands to go to one across the sea to save a man from among the tombstones and elevate him to a place of sonship. Clothed again in his right mind, clothed as the son of God. Because We were all in a fallen condition. He took on our condition. In other words, he took on flesh and blood. This is what he said in Hebrews 2.14, that through death he might destroy him that has the power of death, that is the devil. He would actually come to take on human battles in order to destroy him that had the power of death, to destroy the devil. I'm looking at men and women today who the devil was destroyed in their lives. When he found you, oh my, he come along to destroy the devil, the demons, the power of sin, the power of darkness, the power of death that had held you bound. Amen. Oh, brother, he'll never leave you the way he found you. Amen. But when he seeks and saves that which is lost, he does it for a purpose to elevate that man or a woman, no matter how low down in sin they've been, to elevate them to a place of sonship where he can say, this is my son. This is my daughter. I'm not ashamed to be identified with them. This is mine. After he achieved the victory by paying sin's debt, the Bible said he ascended on high, but he did not leave us without help. But he sent back his own Holy Spirit to indwell us. He would actually divide a portion of his spirit among us, given gifts of unto men elevating men and women unto sonship. He did this by saying, and ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And this power is to restore you as a man, as a son of God, to dominion again. I'd like to look here in Luke 4, 24, 49, and just make ourselves familiar with a couple of these scriptures. In Luke 24, 49, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tear you in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Amen. This, would, this power would make the, the, the man full of fear, the woman full of anxiety, The man stooped down in sin and had no power over the habits that bound him. And this power there that he would endue them would give them power over unclean spirits. 
Come on, church. You know what happened to you. You say, I've never cast out a devil. I'll tell you, that day you come to Calvary, that day you come to Christ, when you surrendered yourself to the Lord, it cast out demons out of your life. It gave you power over devils, over unclean spirits, over fear, over bondage of death. It gave you power and dominion. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, again he said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. This new birth would come as a Holy Spirit. It would come from somewhere that men would not know where it came from because it would come from a source that would be unknown to the sinner man. In John chapter 3 and verse 7, Jesus said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Then he says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell from whence it came, and, and, and whither it goeth. And so is it with every man that is born of the Spirit. Amen. That's exactly right. Amen. There, there on the day of Pentecost, it came as a rushing mighty wind. The Spirit was blowing, blowing across that gathering of people, that 120 as it details it in Acts chapter 2 and verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me tell you, there was a wind that was blowing. Hallelujah. Jesus said it was the the spirit is like a wind. The man don't know where it came from. They don't know where it's going. Amen. And and that's the thing that before you met Christ, you didn't know where you come from and you didn't know where you were going. Amen. But whether you know you're returning back to that same place, your spirit, that Holy Spirit came from. Are you with me? That day on Pentecost, the high priest didn't know where it came from. It didn't come from them. They couldn't tell where it went, and they didn't know how far it would go. The Pharisee didn't know where it came from. They couldn't tell where from, from hence or whence it came. They didn't know. All they knew, it didn't come from us. Amen. It didn't come from from the high towers of, of the denominations. It didn't come from the theologies of man. It came from God himself. It was his breath that he was breathing into 120 in the upper room that he would make dead souls living souls. Men and women who were born in sin, shaping iniquity, speaking lies. It would take those who were born dead and they would be born alive because he breathed the breath of life into them. It came from heaven. 
this wind, this spirit, this present, this, this presence, this God in spirit form blew in that upper room as the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Little pillars of fire began to set down on each of them. It sat on them just like it did sat upon the camp of Israel, just as it had blazed in a burning bush. It would come and sit down upon each one of them. This wind blew and they began to be, they became God's people as the breath of God was breathed into them. And man became a new creation for the first time. I want you to get the thought. For the first time, oh, there had been prophets anointed. There had been anointed priests. There had been anointed words. But now it wasn't just anointed men. But no, it was born men, filled men. Amen. God coming to tabernacle in human flesh. Glory to God. Man became an absolute new creation for the first time. It was never known before. They became a new creation. They became a divine species. God-men. God-indwelt. And when this happened, they went out and did just like Jesus did. Come on. They went out of the upper room with the spirit in action. They were Jesus men and women. Amen. They raised the dead. They discerned the hearts. They cast out devils. They healed the sick. They spoke peace to the sinners. They showed God to the world. In other words, they were witnesses. Amen. They had experienced something. So they could tell about what had happened. Amen. I once was dead, but now I am alive. Hallelujah. And he gave me the keys or the authority or the power to open any gate. Amen. To open gates to healing. To open gates to salvation. To open gates to deliverance. Come on, church. This is what he did to men and women who were once dead that are now alive. He gives them authority to unlock every promise of God to write a check as big as what is needed. The wind blew. They became God's people to show God to the world. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 6, as he said, it's said somewhere in the scriptures. What is man, oh God, that you would think of him? Mere man that you should care for him. Made just a little lower than the angels. Crowned him with glory and honor. Set him over the works of thine hands. Made him ruler of all things. Think of this. It says that God made man ruler over all things. This clearly includes everything. Amen. If he made him ruler of all things in subjection to him. Come on. Amen. Then this clearly means it includes everything. Amen. The scriptures, as Paul would use the Old Testament scriptures to give evidence of our sonship. 
Now, that's what we're talking about, our sonship. And Paul was, was explaining, we are sons. Amen. Now, he said you can't see it with Adam's fallen race, but you can see it with Jesus and his race. Come on. This is what he said. You know, we don't see all under Adam's feet, but we see all under Jesus' feet. And everyone that is born of Jesus, oh, glory to God, everything is under his feet. He has dominion over sin. He has dominion over sickness. He has dominion. Oh, there's not a name that is bigger than the family name that we have. For at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. Every tongue has to confess that he is Lord. He's Lord of lords. He's King of kings. That's enough to give him praise about this morning. But I want you to understand, he didn't come to just exemplify his lordship. He came to share his lordship. To bring you into the same dominion. As I said, Paul would give, use, uh, give evidence of our sonship. Speaking from Psalms twenty-two, twenty-two, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Amen. Declaring God's name to his brethren. Get the point. Brethren. God has some brothers. Amen. He's got a people that he calls brothers. Family. Of the same life. Of the same species. From the same tree of life. They come from the same tree I came off of. Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah 8 and 18. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. I and the children. So God has, he calls us also children. He's establishing relationship. He's given you a position in the family. I'm family. Come on. Paul would say, in the, would also say in Romans 8:29, for them who he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. In other words, made to the same essence of character. Amen. He predestinated you to be made to the same essence of his character. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. So it wasn't, it wasn't just him he had in mind, but it's you he had in mind. He would have brothers. He would have sons. Come on. Amen. Oh, my. The Bible said he predestinated us. Is that right? We ought to be thankful for Jesus this morning. We ought to be thankful for the perfection of the gospel, for the, for the perfecting of the believer, which he says, I've set your destiny toward perfect confirmation. To be just like me. Whatever you are this morning, whatever, wherever you lack this morning, 
Amen. You're going to grow up to be just like him. Amen. We see a little baby born and looks like daddy and maybe acts like daddy and all of this, but he's not manifesting yet all that daddy can do. But he grows up. And God set your destiny to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. And that means that what he has started in you, he's going to finish it. And he's going to finish it to bring you into the same essence of character that he has. Amen. Now, so therefore, we, we, and we should also be thankful for the, for the eternal sovereignty of God's spoken word. Because as Brother Branham tells us, and the scriptures bear this out, that according to his word, he called us and chose us in him before the foundation of the world and wrote our names before the foundation of the world. When God speaks a word, it's got to happen. Amen. When God speaks a word, it's got to happen. Brother Branham is, uh, is saying this in his prayer, and he says, and you spoke our names when you spoke his name. You chose us with him before the world began. So there's nothing we can say we could do, Lord. It's not in mankind. It wasn't because he saw you were going to be good and he saw you were this and he saw that, that you would make all your, you know, be perfect all your life. It wasn't that at all. He saw you as one of his children. Said, that one belongs to me. Amen. That one is mine. And he spoke your name when he spoke his name. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God, your name was spoken with Jesus Christ. You were identified in the heavens. Hallelujah. You were identified. Job would see you shouting for joy. Amen. Before the world ever, ever began, before there was an angel, before there was anything, God saw you shouting for joy. Amen. Before a devil ever come on the scene, God knew that you would rise up above the troubles of this life and that you would shout for joy. Amen. That ought to make us a bunch of noise, a big noisy church this morning. Men and women who can shout for joy. I was seen before the world began shouting. I was seen praising the name of this God, glorifying the name of Jesus Christ before the world ever began. I was seen shouting in victory. I was seen overcoming. I was seen expressing praise to the name of my God when I would meet a trouble down the road, something, a big spirit of fear, some demon that would come and try to beset me. Amen. But I, I have was seen overcoming and shouting for joy. Amen. Brother, you can shout for joy already. Even if you haven't seen it manifest, you can give glory to God because it's going to happen. Because he saw you already doing it. Your symptoms may not be any different right now. But that symptom's going to change. Because symptoms are temporal. But you are eternal. He spoke our names 
when he spoke his name. Amen. The new birth, this new birth makes us sons. We are by that birth a new creation. Or shall I say one of his kind. If we would look in Isaiah 53 and 10. We all know this great scripture. For it's here he declares his suffering. Where he would be wounded for our transgressions. And bruised for our iniquity. But there's something very vital and important that he would do on the cross or here at this time. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. There's enough right there in that scripture to shout for the rest of the month and to the next month and the next month and this year and next year and until we get over there. Amen. Because of Calvary, because he made his soul an offering for sin, that's how he was able to see his seed. If he had not went to sleep at Calvary, there could never be taken something from him to make a bride. Amen. But when he put him to sleep at Calvary, he took from him the elements that would be needed to make men and women new again. Not not renew them as a human being, but I'm talking about a new creation, a brand new species. Amen. A kind that the devil had never seen so many like them before. A kind that would torment his kingdom until they leave from here. A people to whom the earth belongs to. Amen. The people to whom the new heavens will belong to. And the new earth will, to come will belong to. Are you with me now? It, uh, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. Because by his death. He would destroy the works of the devil. Are you with me now? And that seed, their days would be prolonged. Amen. We're not talking about living a few more years on the earth. We're talking about eternal life. He prolonged your days. Come on. That day that, that, that day at Calvary, when he, when he made the provision to birth you as sons and daughters of God, he right there prolonged your days. In fact, the matter is, you will never end. You'll never be temporal again. Amen. What's now? What he said, he'll prolong his day. And the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Amen. We're talking about a people prospering now. The pleasure of the Lord. I think God gets pleasure casting devils out. I think God gets pleasure. Amen. Saving a sinner. Getting that demon that had once held that man bound and have him now bound and cast out. Amen. I believe God gets pleasure with us doing the works of grace. Amen. When him seeing, when he's seeing a little sister there, model what the bride will be. When he sees husband, modelhood, fatherhood, and husbandship. Are you with me? 
Amen. John 20 and 17. Jesus would say to, to Mary, he said that to her, touch me not, for I'm not yet ascended to my father, but I go to my brethren. And, but go to my brethren. What's these words? Brethren. Jesus says, brethren. And to my God and your God. Amen. What did he say? You got the same father. You, you came from the same place. That my body, my fleshly man came from. Come on. Amen. He can say to them, you came from the same source. We derived from the same father. Amen. That makes you brethren. Is that right? Amen. Now, man is the highest order of God's creation. He's the crowning of creation. And God has endued him with a nature and qualities. And because of that, he can express the image and the likeness of God. But fallen man only expresses the image and the likeness of sin. Only those that are born of Christ can express the image of Christ. But notice what we're saying. Jesus calls us brethren. God became a brother to man when he took on humanity so that as we, as man, could become a brother to God. Amen. God calls us family. That's what the scripture calls us. Amen. He calls us family. Inasmuch as the scripture tells us we're his bride, his wife, his brethren, we're joint heirs or co-heir with Christ. So he calls us every family title. Come on. Bride, wife, sons, brethren. Why does he do all of this? He wants you to know you're my family. You're part of my life. We share the same genes. We have the same life. Amen. Amen and amen. 1 Corinthians 5, 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he became your sin so you could become his righteousness. He became a lowly man, amen, and took upon himself cursed earth so he could haul that cursed earth over to the river Jordan to be baptized in water and then be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Making it possible for every one of you to take and haul your cursed earth. Amen. Down to the river Jordan to take this old humanity. Amen. His knew no sin but ours did. No matter how sinful, no matter how stained, no matter how much the devil had done everything he could to destroy you, Amen. One day, brother, there was something pulled you, oh, glory to God, pulled you down to that altar, to that place somewhere. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And you made the greatest trade that could ever be given. You traded your sins for his righteousness. And now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are his righteousness. You are his holiness. 
You say, am I worthy, Brother Tim? Not by your first birth, but by the new birth. You have been made worthy. Amen. You are worthy. We're not talking about just a worthy lamb. But we're talking about worthy sons and daughters of God. Why it's exemplified in the book of Revelation chapter 5. When John first looks at the book, he can't touch it. He can't even look upon it. But once the book was taken by the lamb, the same man who couldn't look upon it, who couldn't touch it, who couldn't receive it, was able to take it. Amen. As a sinner, amen, before the lamb took the book, took on our sins, are you with me? Amen. Before he paid the price, we wasn't able to inherit the promise of God. Healing wasn't ours. Deliverance wasn't ours. Nothing was ours. We didn't belong. Amen. But when the lamb took it, oh, hallelujah, when he became your sins, then he passed on to you his worthiness. Amen. You can get rid of this old, old mentality. Oh, I ain't nothing with God. And, you know, I'm so unworthy and I ain't worthy to receive this. Throw all that stuff away. Amen. He made you worthy. Amen. You're the righteousness of God. You're not to go around saying I'm unworthy. You're to say I'm worthy through his blood. Because I am a son, I have a right to this. Amen. I can receive what God gave for me. Come on now. He stooped down. God was stooped down to pick us, to pick us up and elevate us to sonship. As this Bible would say, Selah, ponder on this. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Hebrews 2.11 And I'm reading from the Amplified here, so don't get thrown off. For both he who sanctifies or makes men holy and those who are sanctified are made holy. All have one father. And for this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Amen. Amen. Now listen, he tells us when his brethren get together, he said, there I am in the midst. Amen. Now, Brother Branham told us it wasn't so much saying the name Jesus that got him to come. He said it was the attitude. And I want to get you to understand we need to have an attitude of sonship. Because we're brethren, he comes among his brethren. He gathers with his people. Amen. He comes to make love to his bride, to soothe her, to comfort her. Amen. To deal with the adversary. Amen. Now, God was mindful of this generation. We have been through 2,000 years of church history until the gospel has been diluted and watered down with men theology and the realization of sonship has been lost. What this message is to do is to turn your heart back to faith. In other words, to elevate you to understand you're a son of God. Your family to God. Amen. We're not going into rapture because we were so good. Because we wore our hair this long or wore dresses that long or we, we, uh, we, we put off so much of this or that or we, we made ourselves holy. That's not where we're going into rapture. We're going into rapture because we're family. 
he ain't leaving his family behind. He's not sending his family to the tribulation. I'm going in the rapture because I'm family. Amen, because I've been born of his spirit and I'm a part of the family of God. And where that gathering is there, oh, there won't be a one of the family missing. Amen. But we've been through 2,000 years of church history. And we are seeing scriptures repeat itself again. Because they were prophecies. Prophesying of an end time. Like in the first exodus, they saw the power of God afflicting the devil. Did I get that right? Amen. They saw the power of God afflict the devil. There had been many years of them being afflicted. But now we were seeing the tables turned. I want to tell you we are in an exodus. Amen. We've seen years and years and years, almost, uh, almost millennials of years, of men being afflicted. But there's a group of people on earth who are here for one reason. Amen. And that is to turn the tables on the devil and afflict the devil that's been afflicting them. Hallelujah. Don't you know there was some afflicting of the devils that day when Mary Magdalene was delivered and she lived an overcoming life every day of her life. She was afflicting the devil that had once held her bound. You are here in this generation not to serve Satan, not to bow down to the devil, not to be a slave anymore, but you are sent here to afflict the devil. Amen. To turn the tables on him, to say, I can't overcome. No matter what yoke you put upon me, no matter what spirit you put upon me, because there's a power within me as this new species to have dominion. I was called for dominion. In that first exodus, Moses had devils on the run. Moses had devils on their knees, finally pleading him to leave. Come on, there come a time that the devil was, Pharaoh was come to a point, yeah, he was stubborn for a long time. Don't get weary. Just because we've seen some stubborn devils, it's just going to get worse on them. Amen. The power of deliverance is going to be showed in a greater way. Amen. Don't get discouraged because you see, oh, well, he's still afflicted. He tries this and then he tries that. And things are worse and our bondage is worse. It's not even getting better. Don't give up on that. Don't give up on the promise. The word has been released that said, let my people go. And that word cannot return and void. But there has to be a people that walks out in deliverance. Did you notice what he said when he made those words? Let my, let my, let my people go. Them are my people. I want you, oh, blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. 
God, blessed is the people, amen, who are the sons of God. Because when they're sons, I'll tell you what, the devil, the devil better be scared. He better be the one trembling. Amen. He can resist, but he's only going to get it worse. Because we're not giving up. We're not turning around. Amen. We're leaving this world. Come on. We've been called to an exodus. Let my people go. These are my people. They're my kindred. God would show his kinship to Israel. Exodus 4.22. And thou shalt say to Pharaoh. Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say to thee, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Amen. Watch out, devil. Refuse all you want to. Oh, Brother Tim, this is an Old Testament scripture. Well, then why did Brother Brandon preach about a third exodus? Why did he tell us that we are again in another exodus? And that was only typing our generation. They were only foreshadowing us or prophesying of Look back at the prophecy. Hallelujah. We're not even going to leave the bones of our loved ones behind. Amen. There's going to be a resurrection. We're going to see a complete deliverance. A total deliverance. There's never been a generation like this generation. There's never been an hour like this hour. We're going to be a people who sees a total victory. A total deliverance. Amen. With the resurrection of all the dead in Christ for 2,000 years that will rise in the beauty of His holiness. Let my people go. These are my people. They are my kindred. This is my son. How many is born again? You're God's son. You're God's daughter. You're God's offspring. Glory to God. If this is another exodus, and it is, How in the world have we gotten all this bondage anyway? How do we get in this condition? Where do you forget there's a God of miracles? Where you begin to have a faithless society where so many are bound down in unbelief today. Where even sometimes we war against belief, war trying to believe. You know... They forgot that God was a God of miracles. When they got down in Egypt's bondage, even as he asked Sarah, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And I just want to pose that question to you again today. Is there anything too hard for him? Then whatever you are facing, it is not an impossibility. I don't care if you if you got a death sentence from the doctor. Amen. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. I don't care if it's been a decade you've been you've been struggling with with a with a habit. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. Brother Timothy demonstrated that to us the the, the other night on Wednesday night. 
when he told of the testimony of being over at Brother George Winter's house and Trisha's mama was there, which is a chain, was a chain smoker. You know, they, she tried, no doubt many times, being the wife of a charismatic preacher at one time and, you know, needing to quit and should quit and all of this and, you know, had the hands laid on her and whatever else. But Brother Timothy was over there that time just, just a, about nine months ago. Walked out on the outside to answer the phone because Brother George didn't have good signal in his house. Walked out trying to find the signal. Walks back in. Sees a pack of cigarettes there on the ledge. The window ledge. Something speaks to him to go and curse the thing. When he does obey, he picks them up. And he curses them in the name of the Lord and the spirit that bounds that woman. Walked on back in the house and told George and Trish what he'd done. Here's nine months later and she said, you know, you know, uh, I, I don't know what happened. I love cigarettes. I actually loved them. I enjoyed smoking, but the desire, I don't know, strangely just went away from me. I, I, it just went, went away. I don't know what happened. Now, this may seem strange, but Brother Branham even said that God will save your, your loved ones against their own will. <laughs> Hallelujah! That ought to resonate through this building this morning. The power of the word in a believer's mouth. You ought to shout about it. You ought to rejoice about it. You ought to say, it's done. It's a finished work. Amen. I believe it. I confess it. I'm going to shout about it before I even see it happen. Glory to God. Glory to God. We forget how great a God we serve. I say it again. Is there anything that is too hard for God? There's nothing, you say, but my child, this happened. Hey, they did that. They said, I don't care how deep in sin. I don't care how separated from God. I don't care how black in unbelief. Amen. There is a power in the hearts of believers. Hallelujah. I'm about getting where I don't, can't even speak this in English anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. It starts welling up within me. I can hear it speaking in tongues right in my soul. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. We got to get ourselves believing that there is nothing impossible to them that believe because our hearts were turned back to faith again. Israel had a big problem. They couldn't believe that God remembered. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, 
And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by the reason of their bondage. And they cried. And you say, I've cried and I've cried and I've wept tears and I've hurt. And as you know, I've been struck down and it looks like it's getting worse. And the more that we take our stand, the more the devil afflicts us. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. You think God is just sitting by, just watching the devil pick on you? Oh, no, he's taking an account. There's coming a payback time. Coming a time, it won't be my children in bondage. It'll be you devils on the run. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. That means he acknowledged them. He saw what their need was, and he responds by sending them a message. Come on. And the message can't say come out of Egypt without telling the devil, let my people go. It says both things. Amen. So in verse 7 of chapter 3, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. Now, wait a minute. I done say, I said this is a prophecy. Did you hear him prophesy? Can you take that personal? I have seen your affliction. All right. And I've heard their cry by reasons of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of an Egyptian. Now, I want you to get this thought right now. Because, again, God comes in actions. There comes a time that God said, it's enough. When God said, it's time. Because they were to be there until a certain time when the cup of iniquity of the Amorites were full. And then God would bring them out with a mighty hand. And he would bring them into that land, destroy all the inhabitants there, and give them that land because of the iniquity of the people. And this is why God will destroy America, the world, and burn it with fire, is because of the iniquity of the people. Amen. He will be just for doing what he does. I just, I, I don't have the article in front of me, so I'm doing it by memory, but forgive me if I get it wrong, but... You know, there, there's, something, there's something like, you know, uh, uh, there's something like uh, three or four billion, might be more views in America in, uh, uh, to, to pornography. That's what they're feeding on. And, and they, then they begin to talk about the society woes that comes out of it. The sins, the broken marriages, the broken homes, the, the abused children, 
Amen. Used to be just a man thing. Now we find that women are doing it. On and on and on. It only gets worse. I'm just going to tell you, God has not forgot. God remembers. Amen. The, uh, today's English version of um, Psalms 56 and 8 says, You know how troubled I am. You have kept record of my tears. Aren't they listed in your book? David would realize, you, you, know, you know how troubled I am. God, you kept record of my tears. You know how long you cried for deliverance? God keeps a record. Amen. You put my tears in a bottle is what the King James says, but it says, you kept record of my tears. Aren't they listed in thy book? So God has not forgot what the devil's been doing to you. He hadn't forgot the heartaches, the sleepless nights, the cries for your children. Amen. The, the cry for the deliverance of your husband or your, or your, your wife or, the, or cries for deliverance from that cancer. Or that affliction, whatever it is, it doesn't matter whether, whether we call it big or little, it's all little in the sight of God. It's nothing. God knows. And in the right season, He remembers. And I want you to know we're in an exodus. And it is the season of God remembering His promise. Hallelujah. I don't really care how bad it's getting. There's a God who's already started working. He's already released a word to the devil that said, let my people go. And he'll get them. No matter where they're at. No matter whether it's sin or whether it's health. Whether it's sickness. It doesn't matter. No matter what the greatest doctor said about it. It doesn't matter. No matter whether they called hospice in and said, you're, it's, you're unable to get delivered. Amen. You're, you're going to die. No matter what it is. Amen. There is nothing too hard for our God. Are you with me? Amen. God has kept a record of your tears. They are listed in his book. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible also tells us that in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 6, that it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Amen. Amen. This is his name. For his name's sake, he cannot forget. And it's a righteous thing with him to recompense or pay back tribulation. On those that trouble you. Mm-hmm. Devil, you're in trouble. Amen. Because our God remembered some things and showed his signs that he was remembering in this age. Amen. God remembered Israel and he brought tribulation upon Egypt and plagued Satan's kingdom until he had to let God's people go. God showed the miraculous. Showing his power to bring a plague and take one away. Moses would, would w- walk up and he would 
he would show, he would shove a hand into his bosom and pull it out leprous. Put it back in and come back clean. Whoa, what was one thing he was demonstrating? I can bring a plague and I can take it away. Amen. He goes and he shows his power of binding and loosening and throws down a rod and it becomes a serpent and he picks it up and binds it again. What was he showing again? I can bring plagues upon you, Pharaoh, and I can take them away. I have the power to do it all. You know, you know the, the, the Egyptian um, magicians, they could have the power to bring plagues upon people, but they didn't have the power to take it away because only God's a healer. Amen. Let me tell you that our God has got, listen, because of sin, are you with me? Because of sin, death, and sickness came on the human race. Amen. It was brought on by there by the word of God. The day you eat thereof, that day you die. And man disobeyed the word of God and so death came upon him. But this same God's got the power to take it away. You say, well, Brother Tim, I'm dying. Yeah, you are. Maybe you are dying. We're all dying to some degree. But let me tell you, this God has got the power over death. Amen. He not only released it to do his work, he can bind it from doing his work. That's why divine healing is in the house of God. Is somebody with me? Amen. So he would show his power. He would smite the Nile gods. Huh. I don't know. I probably don't get any of these right. But there was uh, one they called um, Happy, the, the Egyptian god of the Nile. It, you know, and this Egyptian god was turned to blood and all the fish died and the river stank. Now, God was doing something. He was showing Israel that, you know, you've been in bondage for 400 years. And you hadn't, you hadn't, heard, you hadn't heard hardly a peep from me. Because I've been waiting for a certain time to show you my arm of deliverance. But now is the time appointed. I'm going to bring you out and take you in. Because now is the time. So I'm going to pour out something. I'm going to come down among you and do something great. But all this time, they had languished in bondage and in unbelief. And they saw and watched the Egyptians' gods look like greater than their God. They're praying their God. They're not getting answers. They're praying their God. And it just seemed like they're going along. Why? Because, because God had allowed Satan to work for a time. But now his time was up. So now he's got to break the unbelief. And to show he's got a greater power. Because they watch these, these Egyptians go bow down to this God, see the floods come and the, you know, the, 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 the crops um, be watered and oh, all of this looked like Egyptian God would come. It was great. And so here Moses would begin to strike their gods. So he goes right down the line. He, he, he strikes the Egyptian God of the Nile and turns it to blood. It dies. Fish die in it. The river stink. Amen. There was another one called Hecate. Must sound like the Egyptian frog. Because it had a frog-like head. And, and so it was, it was um, 
um, supposed to be a, a goddess that they had, a goddess of fertility and water and renewal, you know. Like, I think they give it a good name, Hecate, 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 Hecate. It's just ribbit in Egyptian. <laughs> Loosening you up a little bit. But anyway, okay, you boys. Corny for a 64-year-old, right? That's okay. We'll get it better. The frogs came up from the river, and, and they were in their houses, every place possible. What was he doing? Making their frog head God obey him. Amen. He would go there to the Egyptian god, Geb, who was over the dust of the earth. And the dust became lice all throughout the land. He would come to, to Kepri, the Egyptian god of creation of the movement of the sun. And incidentally, he had the, he had the head of a fly. And, and so he called for flies to come. Then he, then he made the Hathor, the, the Egyptian god of love and protection, usually had a head of a, of a cow, and he poured out death on all the cattle. All the livestock died. Amen. Then he, then, he, then he comes and he pours out again, you know, plague after plague, bringing bringing the ashes which would be used in their medicine and, the, and, and their concoctions and so on and the, and the goddess of medicine and peace uh, which was Isis and, they would, they, and there he would pick up the ashes that represents that God throw them into the air and it would have to obey him and become, become gnats and flies all over our shall, shall I say not gnats and flies but this time boils and everything else. Are you with me now? Now, so then he, he would bring down the plagues of the hails, the god of storms, the disorder. He would bring the god, the sun god. There would be three days of darkness showing he had power over their sun god. And finally, he goes, because Pharaoh ain't listening. Devil don't give up easy. Remember that when you're praying. The devil don't give up easy, but don't you give up. Moses didn't give up, did he? All right, you're going to resist. We'll just bring another torment. So he calls now. He walks right up there to Pharaoh, the ultimate power of, the, of, the, of Egypt. There, the king of Egypt. He was worshipped by all, all of the Egyptians and was considered the greatest god of all Egypt. It was believed that he was, he was actually the son of Ra himself, manifested in the flesh. And he walks right up to him. Says, okay now, we've had enough. I'll not see your face again. This is the last plague. But you're going to let my people go. And so then the plague comes on Pharaoh in his house. Are you with me? Amen. Now, I want you to understand, this was a generation of people. Can I preach this a little longer this morning? Amen. I know sometimes people get weary and whatever else, but, you know, can I, can I, can I get you just to give me just a little more time? Amen. Listen, you know, things, it wasn't long. They get in that promised land and, 
and start enjoying the fruits of it all. And it gets down to the point that there's a generation that arises that forgets God. They forget the mighty miracles. They forget that he's a healer. They forget that he could do the impossible, open up the Red Sea and then the River Jordan. He can do the mighty miracles. And when their conquest, when it came their time to defeat the enemy, the Bible tells you in the book of Judges, chapter 1, neither, neither did Manassas drive out the inhabitants of Bethsaida. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron and the inhabitants, inhabitants of, of Nahaloi. Or they, but the Canaanites dwelt among them. Now when you think of all of this, it comes to a point that they failed to do what God told them to do with his word. Because God had told them very plain. Now listen, you either do this or you're going to get trouble. You either drive them out or you're going you're to get retribution yourself. I want you to look at the punishment that would come. Numbers 33 and verse 51. Speaking to the children of Israel and say, when you pass over Jordan to the land of Canaan, that then you shall drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures, that's their idols, and destroy all their molten images and quite put down all their high places and ye shall dispossess. I want you to get that word. I want you to say it. Dispossess the inhabitants of the land. This is the commission of the church. They are to dispossess every devil. Everyone that that stands right there on a promise of God, they are to dispossess that enemy. Are you with me now? And dwell in, for I have given you, would you hear these words? I have given you the land to possess it. Now, you may be needing healing this morning. I want you to know God gave you this land. He gave you healing. He provided for it at Calvary. Somebody help me preach. Amen. I want, if you need in the Holy Ghost, he promised the Holy Ghost. Amen. Whatever the need is this morning, you need deliverance in any way. God promised deliverance. There is no need for his children not to possess the promise. You have been commanded, dispossess that enemy. I want you to begin to look at your enemies one by one and say, oh, you enemy, God has given you into my hand. I have been commissioned and called to dispossess you. Are you with me? Now watch, verse 55. But if you'll not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall come to pass that those that yet you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. What's this next verse? Because it gets really sticky here. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do to you as I thought to do to them. Boy, that's sobering right there. God said, 
God said, you, you know, if you don't do it, there are going to be pricks in your eyes. They will vex you in the land. There will be thorns in your side. And I'll do to you the, what I, I would have done. You know, because, because God is not going to have an unbelieving church. He's going to have a church that believes him. That dispossesses their enemy. That knows what to do with the devil. Now, let me tell you something. The cycle of revival and death never fails. But however, there is a people that has been prophesied to be a cycle breaker. Amen. For those that are alive and remain will not hinder the coming of the Lord or the resurrection of the saints. Amen. So I I want you to understand, when we look at the book of Joshua, that book of Joshua describes, our judges rather, describes a generation that arose who forgot forgot God and what the God of miracles was like. They forgot, and down through the years, they forgot more and more. And so it is with Christendom today. They They have degenerated into a traditional and cold and hopeless religious society that is destitute of God. So God had to do something in this day. He said he would. Somebody help me preach now. He said, if I don't send Elijah the prophet, I will have to smite the earth with a curse. But I'm going to send Elijah to turn some people's heart back to faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was the promise of God. Come on. He wasn't to turn us back to unbelief or turn us to theology. Amen. Or just to be in a doctrinal church. But no, a church who knew what to do with the word. And that word was given to them to to dispossess the enemy off of their land. Off of their inheritance. Now, so, so then, as we see the world's going down and down and down, even more and more and more into unbelief, comes to the Laodicean age, the end begins to draw near. And the last age becomes, last days begin to come up on us. I want you to hear, you are living in the last days. That's right. This is it. A bit of light begin to come through more and more. And we're here, we've done reach the end of a cycle of 2,000 years. And we're now at the final one. We're here now at the last age. There's not another age coming. We're in the Laodicean church age. And the day of the Lord is at hand. Somebody help me preach now. So now, because of this, this age begins in 1906. With a phenomenon of God of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because God is getting ready to bring sons to adoption. Sons to maturity. Amen. Not just justified men or sanctified men, but men that would be possessed by the Holy Ghost. They would be new creatures. They would be a new creation. They would be of a new species. Are you with me? Amen. So, but there was something very basic that had not been done. People had forgot what God was like. Amen. They, you know, we were 2,000 years removed from the miracles of Jesus. And seeing what Jesus did when he met a demon, when he, when he, when he met a spirit, 
when he did what he did to a, to a woman like Mary Magdalene or whatever else, we were 2,000 years removed and the church was slumping down in the unbelief. Amen. And the gospel of the kingdom was to be preached. And it couldn't be done until the seals were taken off the book. And we could see the, the gospel like Jesus taught the gospel. Not a denominational viewpoint that said days of miracles are past. Or another denominational viewpoint that, that got you married to a system. Maybe let you have a healing once in a while and believe for a miracle once in the, there. It's turned off. Listen, church, you don't understand. Even with the phenomena that I talked about with little David Walker, when the little boy grew up, he grew up and just became a, a, a society preacher, you know, going out, doing good works, and going down to Haiti and feeding the children, and building an orphanage here, doing all of these other, you know, works of humanity, uh, rather than preaching the gospel. Are you with me? Amen. And he focused, he focused away from, from the God that had called him. He lost his holiness. Amen. He, he lost, he, he never could embrace the doctrine of the Godhead. That there was one God revealed in Jesus Christ. He could never embrace the truth. He got swept away with the rest of the world after being used as such a phenomena of God. But God made sure that this last generation had a witness, a witness of Jesus Christ who would not compromise with denomination, who would not sell his birthright out. Somebody with me now? Amen. A man who would choose a harder way because it was God's way. He would refuse to go along the realm of denomination but would walk with the word instead. Is somebody with me now? Now, this Elijah that was promised was to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. What? This Elijah was promised to turn us back to faith. Not to theology, to faith. To a revelation of God. Amen. So what did we see come on the sea? We saw a Jesus man. We saw a new species. We saw a new kind. Come on, he wasn't like his counterparts. He was different. He was unique. Amen. What was God going to do? He was going to show the ministry of Christ to us one more time that this generation would not, would, would, would not be without an excuse. That we would know what God was like in the flesh. That we can look and we can see God's attitude toward the sick. God's attitude to the law. God's attitude toward emotion. To rejoicing, to shouting, to enjoying the victories in Christ. Come on. Amen. God would show us his attitude toward holiness in this prophet's ministry. Now, there would be men that would rise up and say, well, William Branham made himself an Elijah. God, he did not make himself an Elijah. said he went after the sin of Dowie. Dowie was a man back in the, 18, uh, in the early 1900s that, that um, you know, dressed like um, Elijah and had a healing ministry and had a beard and all of this and a robe and everything else. And, and, he, and, and he, um, he went into... And into fanaticism. He died a, a, a reject. 
But that was only a scarecrow. Because God promised before the great and the terrible day of the Lord, he would send Elijah the prophet. And he would have a unique and special job, and that would be to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. Now, in 1933, I went through this a week or two ago, there on the Ohio River, there was a shining light come down, and a voice rang out that said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you were sent to forerun the second coming of Christ. Jack Moore believed that. Not only did he believe that, but his Pentecostal con- you know, contemporaries around him, Gordon Lindsay, all of them, they repeated that prophecy, having heard it prophesied in the meetings that would actually resonate back to exactly what was told on the river in 1933 as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Jesus Christ you are sent to forerun the second coming of Christ I want to get this just for a moment because I, I, want, to, I want to pin this down just, just a minute now so it was there let me just go back to the accounts it was there in 1933 God told us what's that 85 years ago Then he tells us again in 1946, tongues and interpretation. I told this a week or two ago. Let me go over it again. A man, you know, as he walks out on the platform, jumps up and speaks in tongues. Another man, dressed like a cowboy, jumps up in the back and begins to interpret the tongues. And the words were, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun. This man is sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. It would happen again as they would record it in the book, Man Sent from God. That would happen again. Gordon Lindsay would testify, this is the truth. Amen. Then, he would, then they would come and then he would say, he would tell of Anna Strader who they came to love and admire, you know, that she stood up in a meeting in Oklahoma and she spoke in tongues and prophesied and as she interpreted the tongues and said the same thing, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You are sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. I'm trying to get something. The Spirit was telling us something. Yet, They were so stooped in their unbelief that they couldn't believe that was Elijah. Amen. Yet God himself had said that it would be as John the Baptist. So I want you to look with me in Luke 1, 17 and let's see how John the Baptist came, how he was anointed. And he shall go forth before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the wisdom to the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Their own prophecies testified he was Elijah. Amen. And that Elijah ministry demonstrated to you what God thought about healing. Amen. What he thought about diseases. How does he respond to sickness? How he responds to faith. How he responds by giving the Holy Ghost. How he responds to holiness. Amen. To Bible doctrine. Amen. What was he doing? Turning the hearts of the children to the faith of the fathers. 
I'll tell you this morning, we've had it now for 50 years. Amen. We've had it for 50 years. It's time for us to realize, church. It's time for us to realize that if there was an Elijah in this day, there's got to be an Elisha. Come on now. Amen. You say, Brother Tim, oh, you know, you, you, you can't do that. You can't do that, Brother Tim. Brother Branham did. He told us about Jesus. He said, Jesus, there, when he went away, he did just like Elijah did. Amen. So let me just say, if we can't be Elijah, maybe we can have the spirit of Jesus. And I'm not talking about me being Elijah. I'm talking about the spirit of Christ of restoration that was on the prophet be upon the bride. Are you with me now? Amen. So it has to be. So when when we know what happened when Elijah went up, there was a garment came back down. Amen. He took the garment of Elijah and he went down and smoked the river and said, where is the God of Elijah? Amen. Come on. That's what he did. And the waters came open and he walked across. That's the same thing that Elijah did. Now Elisha did. So, well, Brother Tim, you know, now we're not to be Brother Branham, okay? If you don't think that was demonstrating what a son would be, well, let's just go to the great son, Jesus Christ. Let me go to, let me appeal to somebody greater than William Branham. And that was Jesus Christ. And when Jesus ascended... Amen. When he ascended, he sent something down to clothe the church with. It was called the Holy Ghost. Because he said, when you see me go away, I'm going to send you a comforter. And that comforter will be the Holy Ghost. And the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater than these, a greater anointing will come on my church than what was on me. Now what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that anointing is here. Hallelujah. That's what has been released. We've had it now 50 years. We, we, we have had our doctrine. We've had our teaching. We have been grounded in theology. We got it down of the seals and the thunders and the mysteries and the things that has been revealed but it's about time for some people to begin to wear. To be revealed as sons. To wear that message. To walk out to their Jordan. To walk out to that affliction. To walk out to that hindrance. To walk out to that river. That river of death that's in front of you. And take that word that we've heard preached and smite that river and say, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you where he is. He's right here in Mendon, Louisiana. He's right here in this church this morning. He's right here the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is right here to heal. He is right here to deliver. He is right here. When a believer takes that mouth, sews it down, and says, where is that God? I need that God this morning. Stand to your feet and worship God. Hallelujah. Is there a believing church this morning? Is there a believing people this morning? I'm a believer. That's what I do. Believers believe. 
Hallelujah. Believers speak. Glory to God. Brother Branham said, and I can never get to this quote. I've had it pushing it ahead of me every service. He said, there will come a time. You will now no longer pray for a disease. You will command that disease. Our message is a command. Let my people go. He has the power to release. And the power has been released to bring deliverance to God's people. I don't care how long you've been in bondage. Let me tell you something. We've seen Jordan Rivers open. And we know he can do it again. Amen. That day when the river opened for you, Brother Gary, and God healed you right there and brought you back. A man who was dying back to to, to life and health again. He's still God today. Amen. That God, Brother David Dexter, that gave you your eyesight back when when the doctors had given you Given you not only a, a, an eye that was going to, to go bad, but a whole body that was going to die, God delivered you. Amen. Amen. God delivered you. Amen. That was God that day, Brother Jerry Shaw, when we prayed for you that time. And for three years, you didn't have to drag a tank around. That was God. And He can do it again. And if He can heal cancer, what? He can heal cancer twice. If he can deliver a soul once, he can deliver them again. This God is a mighty God in deliverance. Let my people go. It's time we command the devil. Take your hands off of God's property. All you need to do is look back at Elijah and see what he did and know what you need to do. We must preach a Bible Jesus, a Bible holiness, and a Bible doctrine, and the works that Jesus did through that prophet, we'll do also, and greater than these. Because we're looking for the resurrection. We're people of the resurrection. Hallelujah. Satan, you've been exposed. Your fears have been exposed. The hold you've had on the people of God has been exposed. The prophecy says you can resist, but it's only going to get harder for you, devil. Turn them loose. In the name of Jesus Christ. That means in the authority of Jesus Christ we stand. As sons of God. Revealed sons. Called and ordained to this generation. We take the authority of the devil. The power of him that's tried to hold it over the people of God. With his fears, with his unbelief. And say you can't hold them any longer. There are sons of God coming into manifestation. Their sons of God begin to realize they're a brother to Jesus. They're a son of God. They're children of the Father. 
They are the overcomer in the last day. Let my people go. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing that song, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This song we're going to be singing one day. We sing it now. But hallelujah. We'll stand there on that other side and see all our enemies destroyed. It's shown in Revelation 19. We say hallelujah. Hallelujah. How great is our God. Well, you're just praying, believing right now. to his room a sinner and I led him back to the Lord Jesus he become a sweet humble Christian he's been afflicted had the devil's tried to kill him ever since he's had cellulitis to the point of being almost dead from it 
heart, heart attacks, so full of plaque and everything else until his heart was given up on him. And now the devil struck him down with cancer. But there's a word released that says, let my people go. Brother Kenneth come to us today in prayer. This is why I'm calling him out. He wanted us to have prayer for him. Brother Kenneth, I want you to wheel right down here. The other day on his birthday, his daughter wrote a line on about him and said, my daddy, so full of wisdom. Said that's the one word I can use to describe him. I'm telling you that's the great grace of our Lord that can do such a thing as that. They can take a sinner and make a son out of it. Some years ago, my brother Kenneth became a new creature. He would say, Brother Tim, I could live for God. I want you to turn around and face this congregation. I could live for God if you just go with me. You'd go with me to work and everything that I do. You could just be with me. I said, Brother Kenneth, I can't go with you everywhere. And besides that, that wouldn't save you. But there is one that you can receive that can go with you everywhere. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll keep you true in every kind of sinful situation. Here he is swollen. And these are just symptoms. That's all that is. Just symptoms of the devil at work. But I want to ask you this morning as believers, who is greater? Who is greater? There's someone greater than this affliction. Amen. Amen. No, no, I don't know how the Lord will heal him. I just know the Lord's going to heal him. He may give him a new body in another dimension. Praise God. He'll be shouting on the hills of glory. But God's going to heal this man. Amen. But today, right now, even though that sin brought his own, not his sin, but Adam's sin, brought us into a physical condition where we, we get, where we die. And all of us are in that condition. Brother Kenneth, how old are you? 67. You know, he hadn't even lived as three score and ten. I, I think we got a right as believers to ask God for a stay on his life. Amen. It happened for you, Brother Gary. You had had your three score and ten. And he come right down into that hospital room. Amen. Come stand right here with me as a witness. Amen. What God did for him. Brother Gary is a man of God, a man of faith, who believes. And he, he that day, God dropped it down in his heart. Things changed from that moment on. Now, a miracle happens instantaneously. But healings is a process. We don't really care how it comes because even a healing is a miracle. Amen. And the Lord's going to heal my brother. 
in Jesus' name, I curse this demon in the name of the Lord. It is said in the word of God, let my people go. And I speak again, Satan, you've got to let God's people go. Now you cancer, you go. You ever, ever been, even every spirit of this death, heart trouble, everything, be healed in the name of Jesus. Right now in Jesus' name, if you don't let him go, you will be tormented time on time again, Satan. You've got to let God's people go. The word has been released. And a faith is rising in the head. In the hearts of God's people. And you've got to go in Jesus' name. Now I speak to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And command you to go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. That's right. Let's just thank you now. Lord, your word is true. You are faithful. Thank you, I speak against this thing in the name of Jesus. I take this swelling down and the cause of it and the life that has been in our brother to torment him, the demon life. We have been commissioned by God to cast Satan out. Now we cast him out in the name of Jesus for God's glory. Thank you, it right now in the name of Jesus. We rejoice before we see one sign in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Now you don't have to come up here for prayer. Amen. You know laying on the hands is really, Brother Bradham told us a Jewish tradition. He said we don't have to do this. We don't even have to lay hands on them. You know, I can testify of a little little lady down in South Africa listening to one of my sermons that I was preaching. She was a diabetic, up for surgery for leg. I think they were gonna uh, talked about removing her leg legs. She was or be an amputee. Anyway, it was so serious, so serious. And there in that meeting, as she listened to the word preached in this church, Amen. Faith came into her heart. That's been 20 years ago, and she's still healed. That was type 1 diabetes. I don't care, type 1, type 2, whatever devil you want to call them. Amen. They have to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, the affliction that's afflicting you is getting scared. He is afraid. He knows there's some believing people that's about to cast him out. I want you to lay hands on the person next to you. I don't care what their condition is. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. Now in the name of Jesus, we come submitting ourselves to God. Resisting the devil that he flee from us. I command the sickness.
has to leave God's people. Let my people go. They're God's people. They're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Some of them are bound by sin. Some of them are bound by unbelief. Some of them have teenage rebellion. Some of them are in condition, afflicted in different ways with sickness in their body. The doctors gave them up to die. But I say, Satan, you take your hands off of God's people. We claim their victory right now in Jesus' name for the glory of God. Amen. How many accept that for yourself right now? Then I want you to raise your hands and we go to waving it before God and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify your name, Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I will praise him. Praise the Lamb for slain or slain. Give him glory, all you people. Let's just worship him a moment here. Amen. Thank you. 